everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. I'm your host, Father John Ricardo. Nick? No, I'm Mary. not Father John. You're not. What's up with this episode? On show today. Who's going to be with us? Father John Ricardo. No way. Hey, guys. How you doing? <laughs> it's a little odd being on this side of the mic. So, Nick, what's our topic today? So, the reason we're doing this is because our topic is Rescued, the Unexpected and Extraordinary News of the Gospel, which is Father John's new book coming out on September 23rd. So, today we wanted to interview him about his new book so all of you could get as excited as we are about this. Great. So, Nick, can you pray us in so we can get started? Absolutely. Sounds great. Great. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to just sit at the microphone and to try and do some justice, do some ounce of work back to you for the gift of your Son, Jesus, to us. And so as we sit here and talk about the gospel, Jesus, we just invite you to be present. We invite you in a special way to be present to anyone listening in. Because Lord, what you've done for us, this rescue mission, is the most life-changing news, the most life-changing event in human history. And so Holy Spirit, we invite you to, to just lead the conversation and help to unpack what you've revealed through Father John and rescued the unexpected and extraordinary news of the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So great. So this, this book, like we said, is called Rescued, the Unexpected and Extraordinary News of the Gospel by Father John Ricardo. It's being released on September 23rd, and you can pre-order it now on Amazon. Great, Nick. So we can't wait to talk to you, Father. So um, let's just dive in. We would love to hear um, more about the significance of the title of your book. Yeah, I, th I think for me, the, uh, the key is the second part, you know? So uh, the second part is the unexpected and extraordinary news of the gospel. And so the reason why it's, it's subtitled that, if you will, is I, I think most people that I've encountered in my life, um, it, it was true for me in my own life, too, when I was younger, um, they, we mistakenly think the gospel is, uh, at best, just news, or, or maybe even advice, but the gospel isn't news. The gospel is extraordinary news. And for, you know, we talk about this often in our work. I mean, one of the visuals which the Lord has given to me anyway is, uh, so imagine, you know, the three of us are living in France and, you know, it's 1944 and it's June 7th. And by this time in our lives, we've been enduring, you know, four years of tyranny mm -hmm. by the Nazi uh, regime. We've lost family and friends. Uh, we're, we're, we've become used to almost living in a slave state. L life is life is horrible. And as we're sitting there in the morning, having a really bad cup of coffee, going back into another uh, potentially violent, dangerous day, the paper boy tosses in a newspaper, and I open it up, and and you look at me and you go, "So what happened in the news yesterday, Father?" And I go, "Well, not much." Uh, Looks like the Allies landed at Normandy. Hmm. 
I mean, like, that, that's not how I would read that news, right? I mean, this is unbelievable news. This is the news that somebody has come so as to rescue and deliver us from the hands of a, of a demonic tyrant, right? And so if I was, you know, if, if we were to be those people in France on June 7th, 1944, and I was to read that, that would be extraordinary news. The gospel was infinitely better than that news, as great as that news was. Yeah, I, I think so often as, as Catholics, especially, um, we just don't think of the gospel in that kind of terms. I mean, that, that would be unbelievable to be in France in that time. So, Father, we've heard you say um, on a number of occasions that you feel as though you were born to write this book. Tell us more about that. Yeah, you know, I, I repeat often, I had a, a mentor of mine when I was in seminary. He's, he's passed away now, Father David Donovan, just a great priest, Jesuit guy. And he always used to say, every priest has one homily. Even Jesus had one homily. And, and his one homily, he would say, was the Father. You know, everything he's doing is just talking about the Father. Um, and I think I have one homily, and um, it, it's all kind of crystallized in this. Like, I, I, I really do think, you know, 23 years of priest, whatever, it's all led to being able to articulate the gospel in the way that I try to do it now. And so, you know, every one of us is born with a you know, variety of different gifts and whatever. We do lots of things, and so I don't want to be... Um, I don't want to be indiscriminate in how I say this, but I really do feel in a, in a particular way like I was born to, to preach this and to write this and to try to share this so as to try to help other people share the extraordinary news that is the gospel for a culture which is so desperately in need of it right now. Yeah, and you're not shy, uh, just following up on that, you're not shy about saying, like, I've been ordained 23 years, and only in the last, what, three years or so, has the gospel came to this unique, powerful focus, right? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, praise God, we're always growing, right? I mean, I, I, I read incessantly because af I'm afraid if I don't read, I won't have anything to say. And so I'm always trying to read and to hear what other people are writing and saying. Um, and so a lot of people have informed what I do, and then, the, you know, hopefully the Holy Spirit's informed it more than any. But by all means, the last three years, I think I have come to a a way of thinking about, praying about uh, the passion, the death, the resurrection of Jesus in a way that I never have before. And I pray that continues to grow over the next, you know, however many years the Lord gives me here. Yeah, amen. And I, I can say just um, uh, for those listening right now, I, I, I pray um, th the way Father John is preaching this now, um, I've been, if you will, a uh, committed disciple of Jesus for almost my whole life, but certainly I would, I, would, I would have no doubt about saying that for the last 15 years. And to hear this, the way Father John preaches the gospel and shares it in this book has, again, brought me to a much deeper conversion, a deeper appreciation for who Jesus is and what he has done for me and what he is still doing for me and what that means for my life. Hmm. So, Father John, that said, why is this book so urgent right now? What makes it so uniquely? Yeah, I, I think it's so important right now. I think the, I think I think the proclamation of the gospel is so important right now because two things are happening. One, um, the world is exploding and imploding. I'm not sure which one. Probably mm. both. Um, and so, as many people say, uh, a friend of ours repeats over and over again. I mean, and we would agree with the most urgent pastoral crisis of our day is to help people see reality. Right. In other words, to, to see with biblical eyes answers to the really important questions. And the way we, we would word those would be, why is there something rather than nothing? 
Like, why does creation exist? Why do I exist? Why does anything exist? Um, why is everything so messed up? What, if anything, has God done about the messed up situation that is the world? And if he has done something, how is it that I should respond? And so because, you know, even as uh, we're doing this, we're, we're reading headlines that are continually changing against the, the cultural unrest that we're going through. I would say there's never been a time in our lifetime anyway, I'm 55, when it's been more important um, to be able to see uh, and to see to see reality, and reality is what the gospel was proclaiming, it, which is answers to those questions. Why is there something rather than nothing? Why is everything messed up? What's God done about it? And, you know, combined with that, because I think so many people, I think it's Al Cresta on um, Ave Maria and EWTN Radio, I heard him say, said a years ago, I think a lot of people, this is him speaking, a lot of people, they, they hear or they think Christianity, mm, nothing to offer there, move along. And so, so many people have just dismissed um, the gospel in many ways because of the sins of the church, mm. right? And so, the gospel has become um, irrelevant, um, having nothing to offer, when in fact it's only the gospel uh, which is relevant. Because with all that's going on in the world right now, the root problem of everything that's going on is the human heart, my heart, your heart, the hearts of those who are clamoring for justice and dignity and whatnot, and only God can fix the heart, and the story of the gospel is how God's done that, and why the heart got messed up to begin with. So, Father John, what's the story, not the gospel, what's the story behind this story? In other words, um, can you talk a bit about the origins of the book? Yeah, I, I, uh, I went, you know, I, I do an annual retreat every year, every priest does, and I was on retreat, I think it was three years ago, with a, a good friend of mine, Ray, and I brought with me this uh, book that we've talked about many times before called The Crucifixion, Understanding the Death of Jesus Christ by Fleming Rutledge, and I mark my life oftentimes by when I quote-unquote met certain authors, uh, even if it was just in their book, and Reading this book was one of those just momentous occasions in my life. I'm a huge, uh, huge fan of Fleming Rutledge. And, uh, but the book's like 900 pages. And, you know, it might have been, I think it was voted the, you know, Christian Book of the Year by, you know, uh, some, some periodical. But it's 900 pages. And, and you know, like, we like sound bites. And I, so I'm blown away by this book. And it's informing my prayer. And the Lord's doing a lot through it. I'm sharing it with Ray. And uh, at the same time, I'm thinking, nobody's ever going to read this. I mean, I hope everybody reads it. It's much better than what I write. But it's 900 pages, you know, like, so I got to find a way to, I got to take this and chew it up and digest it and mix it with all the other things that I do, especially as a Catholic, and, uh, and try to spit it out in some fashion that, that people will be able to get it and make sense out of it and whatnot. So the origins are in part from that retreat. And then you know, sharing some of the things that I began to preach immediately after the retreat. The retreat was during Lent. I began preaching on this in a brand new way, I think during Holy Week. And on Holy Thursday, I shared a whole set of things. And a priest who was uh, there with us at the parish on Holy Thursday when I was preaching, he teaches at the seminary. He came up to me afterwards and he says, uh, I thought he was going to rebuke me like, uh, Padre, that was heresy. <laughs> um <laughs> and he says, you, you realize, don't you, that was, uh, that was just patristic through and through, like all the fathers preached the way you just preached. And I said, 
oh, that's so good to hear, because I was afraid you were going to chastise me. And so that led me to start rereading the fathers of the church, these people who were the first you know, descendants, if you will, of the apostles. And as I read more and more of the fathers, I realized, we don't preach like this. Like, people today don't see the gospel, they don't see Jesus for who Jesus is. We, you know, I think of the Lord as, as a crystal, and every time you turn a crystal, you see a new facet. And so, in many ways, I would summarize what I'm trying to do as trying to help people see another facet of who Jesus is. Jesus is is kind, and he is compassionate, and he is patient, and he is merciful, and he is loving, all those things, or, or we'd all be toast, right? But he's so much more than that. Jesus is absolutely and utterly unconquerable, and he is the rightful king of heaven and earth, and we don't see the cross in that way. We don't understand what he's doing in the passion in that way. It looks like, for I think a lot of Christians... It's like, well, Jesus was this remarkable figure, and he did all these great things, and then, I don't know, something really bad happened on Holy Week and Good Friday, and I don't know how to make sense out of all that, and then, poof, he's risen from the dead, when, in fact, he's doing something on the cross. And so, what, what I try to do in, in this book is unpack a little bit more what he's doing on the cross and how that profoundly changes my understanding of Jesus and how I can live my life right now with mm absolutely unshakable confidence in his lordship despite everything that's happening in the world and in the church so nick you and i have seen father john more or less deliver this book uh to both priests seminarians we've seen him preach in a in a parish setting and and wider audience as well i would love to have you share um what you've seen uh, as you what's the impact on guys when they yeah, it's a great question, and, and Father John was just uh, starting to really hit on some of those, those those key things that make such an impact on guys. And so, and one of the things that I see happen is uh, priests, they, they get touched in a unique way, and I think two things really stand out to me. So, so of course, so the gospel is power, mm-hmm. right? So that's mm-hmm. just a, that's something that's just objectively true. God said it, it's true, and it happens. But the way Father John preaches this created, captured, rescued response, both in the book and, and verbally, um, in, and in the time frame, right? So these guys get a full day to just soak in the gospel. Um, they, they leave renewed. Um, so, so priests, right? They're professionally religious. They, they spend almost all day, every day, thinking and talking about Jesus there's often not a chance for them to step back and just stand in the narrative, the, the, the big narrative mm-hmm. of the gospel. And so when they do this for a full day, Father John's preaching this, just like it is in the book, guys get renewed. They get lit. There's a new fire. There's a new passion. Uh, they get a chance to step back and say, oh my goodness, Lord, thank you again uh, for what you've done for me, what you're doing for me. And it also equips them to preach it mm-hmm. themselves. Because I think one of the key, one of the things we're struggling with in the church right now is how do we reach the lost and the nuns and the people who, who aren't here anymore? Or the people who are here, how do we wake up? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a young father. How do we wake up the men in the pew? I mean, this imagery, I mean, I, I said it a few minutes ago, uh, you know, already. Like this imagery, this, this way of hearing and seeing and reading the gospel is, is life-changing. And, um, and so, so for my brothers out there, I would encourage you to read this both priests and lay, um, and not just to like read it once 
or if you listen to it on the audio version, just to like quickly, like 1.5 speed, two times speed, just listen to it. But you have to soak in it. So read it again and again. Mm-hmm. Listen to it again. Read it annually. I mean, it's just it's that it's that powerful. I've heard this preached now, Mary, of what I don't know, ten times, twelve, maybe even twenty-five times. I don't know. It's, 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 if I look back, it's a ton. I've heard it preached, mm-hmm. and I've read elements of it over and over again. And still to this day, when we go do a priest retreat somewhere, I'm being renewed and touched by it again. And it's not because it's Father John. Though I love you, Father John, and it's powerful from you. It's because it's the gospel. Right. You know, back to back to the title, it is extraordinary news. And and I think we're all experiencing it like that. So Nick, yeah, that's so beautiful. What about you, Mary? Uh, so, you know, our offices are downtown in Detroit, just around the corner from Sacred Heart Major Seminary. And it's not unusual, right, to have some of the seminarians come and just want to spend time and sit with Father John. As we're unpacking, you know, a lot of what it is we're going to bring uh, to a number of dioceses that we go. And they love this. They've had their lives changed by this. They're learning to preach this way. Uh, I remember uh, talking to one of our seminarian brothers who uh, broke open, created, captured, rescued, and response for his eighth grade students. And so it's impacting our the young men that are in formation. And then for me, just as a woman, um, when, when we go and we do the, the clergy retreats, we have the opportunity to minister to the lay faithful in prayer ministry, both to our priests and the lay faithful. But I've had the pleasure of talking to scores of women, uh, and I'm at the top of the list, that my life's been deeply impacted by this. I see women who are literally healed and restored, and they understand who they are in Jesus Christ. They understand who they are. Uh, their dignity as daughters of the king, it changes it changes every human person, and it's not unusual, and I know we've talked about this before, to hear men and women say, how come I haven't heard this before? But they have heard it before, but they haven't heard it quite this way. And that battle imagery that Jesus Christ came to go to war on our behalf resonates with our brothers, and it certainly resonates with women that we're worth fighting for. Yeah, and I think just listening to you both, just to maybe make a explicit what you're implying i mean like who's this book for i mean it's for everybody you know i mean i wrote it for i wrote it for everybody i mean i wrote it because i feel a passion to tell the story and i i I, it's again fleming rutledge who has the line you know theological speculation can only take us so far we need to know the story and i couldn't agree with that more emphatically right now i don't think christians know the story and if we don't know the story, we can't share the story with the people around us in the world who are uh, longing to know that they are worth dying for, which is, you know, part of the message of the gospel. And so this is for priests, this is for seminarians, this is for laymen and women, this is for catechists. You know, the book's kind of uh, organized so that there's discussion questions at the end of every section. And so hopefully it's just an easy thing to do a small group with, you know, in these days when we're not able to gather in big groups, you know, you can do a small group at your house or do it on Zoom, whatever. Uh, it's, it's meant to be reflected on and then talked about. I think that's the idea behind it. Yeah, that is, Father John, that's so helpful. It, it, it can be used in so many different formats for so many different people. I think one thing that strikes me in that same vein is if you're someone who has a friend or a family member that you so badly want to share the faith with, I mean, to read this, to soak in it, it gives you a simple way to unpack it, right? So, so, so the words created, captured, rescued, response, those are the four parts of the gospel. And uh, so instead of evangelization and gospel and kerygma being these ambiguous, difficult to understand terms, this makes it really practical so that you can take the narrative and the story 
um, and, the, and the reality of what Jesus has done for us um, to your family members, to your friends. All right, so, so Father John, in this, in this book, I just want to add one more thing. Um, this book is, again, titled Rescued, The Unexpected and Extraordinary News of the Gospel. I just wanted to read um, a little excerpt, if you will, from uh, Scott Hahn's forward, Dr. Scott Hahn's forward in your book. This is what Dr. Hahn says. Father John Ricardo understands this deep human need, and he recognizes that we live in a moment when every proposed alternative narrative is falling apart. Democracy and science can be good and great things as far as they go, but they cannot save us. Their horizons are limited. They cannot supply us with a moral code. They are, moreover, dependent on metaphysical assumptions they cannot account for. This book provides the simple account that's needed right now. The new evangelization, heralded by popes since St. Paul VI, can go forward only by grace, but only insofar as we can tell our story in a compelling way. Father Ricardo does this. He distills the biblical narrative in a way that is simple, but not simplistic. He implies the richness of Catholic tradition, which includes all the relevant sciences, and he sets up a conversation that can lead to a robust engagement of modern culture. He goes on to say, our author marshals an impressive array of early Christian witnesses for this interpretive key. Irenaeus, Melito, Ephraim, Maximus, and he lets them show us how to tell the story. Thus, we learn not only from a master of modern preaching, but also from the very voices who converted the world the first time around. I think Dr. Hahn just says this um, as, as he does many things beautifully uh, about this great work from our Father John. Thanks, Nick, for sharing his words. You're, you're right, very articulate there. And so that's um, uh, for, for the women out there. Uh, many of you might know Lisa Brennickmeyer. She is the founder or the, and the chief purpose officer of Walking with Purpose. And she's a dear friend of ours, and she's a dear friend of uh, this ministry. And um, I thought it worth... Uh, sharing some of what Lisa has shared uh, for for um, both men and women out there. Lisa said, I believe this might be why you were created, Father John, to have written this book and to be sharing this message. I don't think it was possible for this message to become more powerful than what I had heard you previously preach, but it is. It is truly anointed. I feel as if the Holy Spirit is hovering right over every page. These words are desperately needed today. This book is going to move mountains, and the enemy must be absolutely terrified at the thought of its publication. He should be. I can see the rescue coming. It's truth-telling. This book is exactly what people need right now. And she goes on to write, If you read only one book this year, may this be the one. She says it so well. We must have paid Lisa big money to say that and on to. I'm, I'm uh, grateful for both their words and for um, <laughs> so many people who've influenced, you know, my thinking, my praying, the writing. So grateful to you guys for the chance to uh, continue to refine this every time that we go out and um, look forward to, please God, it, it changing lots of lives. Father John, thanks again uh, for this time to just interview you about this awesome book that you have worked so hard to put together. And again, that book is titled Rescued, The Unexpected and Extraordinary News of the Gospel, being released on September 23rd through Word Among Us Press. You can find that now on 
Amazon, pre-order it now, and we would love for you to check out the Amazon Smile um, accounts because you, I mean to use Amazon Smile and, and punch in there if you'd like. Yeah, smile.amazon.com. I think just takes yeah. you right into an opportunity for people to uh, to sign up. Uh, you can put Acts Twenty Nine in there, and it's a way to help nonprofits. I do that with a number of different nonprofits uh, as well as our own. I think we get point oh 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 one percent of whatever <laughs> yeah, the sale right. was, right? So buy buy huge items like buy a car on Amazon <laughs> and, and, and sign up for Smile, right? Thanks, brother. It's been a joy to be uh, be with you and Mary and on this side of the mic. You know, maybe just the, the summary uh, of the book and the summary of all that we're doing in Acts 29 and the proclamation of the gospel is so important for right now is just again and again this news that no matter how it appears right now, Jesus is Lord. He's king of heaven and earth. He holds the world in his hands. He holds our country in his hands. He holds the church in his hands, he holds your parish in his hands, he holds your family in his hands, he holds you and me in his hands. And because he does, we don't have to be afraid. That's the God that's with us. And we were born for this.